This is the Blackout Podcast. Welcome to the Blackout Podcast, where I get to talk to amazing people that do amazing thing- things. And today I have Alexa Goodman that is working at giving us the chance to live longer on this planet. I hope so. <laughs> I'm trying. Thanks very much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Uh, a little bit of background on yourself. Hmm. Well, I am 24 years old. I just finished my master's in marine management. Um, I'm an environmentalist, and I work in the marine industry. Um, So I actually didn't grow up by an ocean. I grew up in Montreal, and I moved here when I was 18 to pursue marine biology and sustainability, which was my undergraduate degree at Dow. and I was, I've always been obsessed with the ocean and everything that's been in the ocean. And the more I studied it, the more I realized it was really in need of our help. Mm. Um, we were killing it faster than we could explore it, um, which is really gut-wrenching. Um, but I realized, you know, I could, I could research fish all I want, but that's not going to change how people use the space because at the end of the day, Fish don't know rules. Fish mm. fish don't follow policies. It's people using the ocean space, mm. um, which is why I decided to pursue a master's degree to refine my skill set to actually be able to do something with this knowledge rather than just let it be really overwhelming. Mm. Um, and I guess my love for the ocean and for the environment, for the planet, is really just comes through in everything that I do mm. because I care so much about preserving it, which I think is where uh, my passion comes from. Yeah, and here we are. And I ended up starting a nonprofit to kind of um, really engage with the public and try to get this behavior change happening at all levels, at the management level and at, you know, the individual level as well. Mm. And I remember seeing Stop Trashing and thinking, oh, what is it really about? And reading up on it, I'm thinking, oh, yeah. And the thing about Stop Trashing is, is the little things you don't think of that causes the bulk of the issue mm-hmm. yeah so when did you think of starting stop trashing it stop trashing it happened by accident which i think is hilarious mm. um so when i was in i think it was the last year of my undergrad i felt like a huge hypocrite because you know the earth is dying everything's on fire there's more plastic in the ocean than fish and here i am feeling helpless here I am feeling like an advocate that I care about these things but I wasn't fully acting in every which way that I could Mm. and so I decided to make a very 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 simple change I said if I don't have a reusable mug or um, a tumbler or something where I can have uh, you know a non-single-use coffee cup I'm not getting coffee Mm. very simple no reusable cup no coffee Um, and I got myself to zero cups And it wasn't until I started doing that where I realized the shift to zero waste or as close to zero waste is actually really feasible if you just start with one thing. And so I started with coffee cups and then it went to, okay, what else can I do? I can eliminate bags. I can eliminate straws. I'm going to take it one step farther. I'm going to start trying to shop in bulk and fill fill jars and and really just starting to be very critical of what goes in the trash. Mm. And so those behavioral uh, changes persisted with me throughout my master's degree and I took an environmental education course and we had to do a media analysis of different different educational campaigns and so I decided to look at hashtags on social media um, all about plastic Mm. and so that's where this idea came from when I wanted to challenge people in the class to eliminate one thing for a year and there was this was before the hashtag stop trashing it came out um and so I, my goal, I, I'm very, I'm a very goal-oriented person. That's a good thing. So I said, I want to try to get 100 people on board by the end of the year mm. um, to commit to eliminating one single-use item. It doesn't just have to be plastic, but I want to get 100 people on board. And so I filmed this, like, very corny video of me <laughs> on a, sitting on a rock by the ocean, like, talking to the camera. Like, I am not a photographer. I do not have much digital media experience. Mm. It was super – it was – Uh, It was actually kind of embarrassing, but anyways, um, I put it out on the internet, and 
I'm a chatter. I'll talk to anyone who will listen. Um, and somehow the conversation always comes back to trash. Mm. Like I literally talk trash all the time, but like, <laughs> in a in a more positive way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and I met Ruth McMullen at a party, and she does the Optimistically Depressed podcast, mm. which is also a fantastic podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, And we were chatting and I told her about this idea that I had of this pledge. And oftentimes I feel like as a young woman, uh, especially a scientist, an academic, I feel very insecure about my ideas. And so when someone thinks an idea is good, um, first of all, I usually don't believe them. Um, But she was the first person who really instilled like, you should try to make this bigger than just this. Mm. And so she encouraged me to meet her husband, Sean McMullen. I met him the next day. Uh, he saw the video and he's a photographer and a videographer. He saw the video and he said, I want to help you make this better. Uh, <laughs> like, let's let's blow this up a bit. So mm. he refilmed the video. We went to the Otter Lake landfill facility. Um, he filmed an incredible promo video. Mm. Um, and we launched on social media. We came up with the name. We came up with the branding. Um, and he was the one who really was a catalyst in saying like, you know, to get 100 people to sign up for something, they're either going to sign up because um, there's a movement behind it or because it's led by you. And like, I am not a social media influencer. I'm just like this, you know, plant loving person who bops around and like (laughs) talks about the environment. So we launched Stop Trashing It. And Mm. that started in June. And we now have, I just checked, we're almost at 570 followers on Instagram. Um, we have over almost 150 pledge participants and we're still growing. We have a ton of events, a plan for the summer for oceans week. Um, and we're really trying to shift this awareness into action. I feel like a lot of, we're at this day and age where I feel like it's undeniable that we have a problem. We have multiple problems with how we treat things and how we treat the environment. Mm -hmm. Um, but we oftentimes don't see the connection between our lives and what we do on an everyday and how that affects the bigger scale of things because mm. we really do exist in these little bubbles of our own ego and very not self-aware um so that's where i'm very passionate is trying to get people to realize how we're all interconnected and how it's not just you on the planet we are the planet mm. And this whole uh, <clears throat> there's no planet B thing, mm-hmm. everybody's saying that, and I'm thinking everyone's trying to go to Mars and stuff. <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> I feel like hmm, we're so keen to just forget what we have. We're so not grateful mm. that we have this planet that supports so much life that is blue, that has green on it. We're ready to go to a planet that's red and you can't even breathe on it that's that's stupid (laughs) it's stupid and like you would spend so much money and so much time like it would take you over i don't know how long it would take Mm. i'm assuming it would take several months at least to get to mars at least and then uh, (laughs) have you seen the movie the martian yeah where like he tries to survive and everything just goes rogue i feel like it's just a bad idea (laughs) let's just work on fixing what we have or at least trying to adapt like at this point we're gonna see the changes that we're going to see in the next 10, 15, 20, 50 years, mm. we can't cha- we can't slow it down anymore. We are like way past the tipping point, mm. um, but we can prepare ourselves and there are things that we can do to slow it down. Um, I mean, we'd need to see drastic changes in CO2 reduction for mm. the climate to stop warming. The climate is going to warm. It's inevitable, but we can change our behaviors and we can start making better choices. So why do you think it's difficult? Two things. Why do you think it's difficult for people to understand or to accept? Why do you think climate um what are it climate change den- deniers exist? Why do you think Okay? Because I think the first thing to recognize is that weather and climate are different, but weather feeds into climate. Mm. Weather is what we experience on a day to day. Outside today, it's sunny, it's windy. Climate is a combination of weather throughout the year. So if we looked at an average of, you know, on this day, last year, the year before that, the year going back in time, maybe over the time we would see an average increase of a degree or two. Granted, the scale is what's the problem. So climate change is a natural thing. Over very long geological timescales, 
climate change, right? At one point, the planet was super hot. At one point, it was really cold. It was covered mostly in ice, and it oscillates. That's natural. That's what the planet does. But I think it's important to consider the rate of change. Mm. Since industrialization in the 19, I would say roughly the 1950s and the rise of agriculture, the rate of change of which we're changing the climate has skyrocketed, getting super hot super quickly. Mm. And also considering what we're putting into the atmosphere. There's a lot of carbon dioxide, also a lot of synthetic materials. Fossil fuels is not something that people, because first of all, people haven't existed for that long in the grand scale of things. Fossil fuels are wicked. And these are things that we have not experienced before and we don't know how it's going to change on a bigger scale. Mm. Um, I don't know if that answered your question. I kind of got in a little bit of a rant there. No, that's okay. <laughs> I mean, it's a passion you have about this subject that is showing. Yeah. And I think, you know, when when I watch on TV and someone comes on and says, I'm like, oh, you know, it doesn't exist, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I, you can't deny it with the... So with all the floods happening, mm. with all the change and like crazy heat happening, why I, I just find it difficult for people to yeah. understand it. Yeah, it's hard because first of all, if you're not experiencing those natural disasters first handedly, it's very easy to deny that it's part of climate change. And it's also very hard to prove that like that is a product of climate change. Um there's a hierarchy. I don't know it off the top of my head perfectly, but denying that a problem exists is a coping mechanism. Mm. So a lot of the time when there are climate deniers, it's 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 like an automatic response for some people. And it's also a coping mechanism. If you ignore a problem, it doesn't exist. So you mm. don't have to deal with it. Um, but I do think that, first of all, hurricanes, for example, if you look at the intensity, strength and frequency of hurricanes over the years, mm. These one in 100 year storms are now one in 10 year storms, wow. one in five year storms. And it's going to keep happening. Eventually, there will be no way to deny that it is from climate change, mm. right? We know what causes hurricanes. It has to do with warming oceans and warming air temperature and how all of that interacts over the ocean. That is a result of temperature and a result of climate change. Um, but it also takes a very strong understanding of how the climate and geological, uh, how all of this interacts together. Um, and a lot of the times people who deny it also lack the education to really understand this. <laughs> yeah. um, right. The only reason why I know so much about this is because I've studied it for like six years. Mm. Um, also, I'm very interested in, you know, there is, you know, formal learning and informal learning. But if you if you're denying a problem exists, why are you going to go and, you know, how would you know? Mm. How would you know all these things? <clears throat> um I was talking about this earlier. I think the messaging and communicating this clearly is really important. Mm. Um, and so there has been a lot, like science isn't perfect. Science, you do something to prove or disprove whatever. And so there is a lot of uncertainty and there's a lot we don't know. Mm. And so as soon as you say that, you know, the sea level is going to rise, you know, 10 meters in the next 10 to 50 years, but we don't know how long. Mm. So, oh, that's a, a future problem. There's too much uncertainty. You can't pinpoint the exact answer. Well, like, of course you can't. You're trying to average something out across. Like, you're trying to predict the future. That's super challenging. Mm. So whenever there's some degree of uncertainty and there's no direct pinpoint answer, it's very easy to deny. Mm. It's so much easier to deny and to ignore something than to accept and have to change. Nobody wants to change. And then that's the other part of my question, coming to change. So whether they accept it or not, the fact is it is happening. Um, why is it then also, or why do you think it is a little bit difficult for people to not buy into, but start doing things that would help? Because you have to change. Mm. And we are a society that loves convenience, um, even just in the past 50 years, we are doing so much more than ever before and we need things quickly because we, we live very busy lives. Or the coffee cup, for example, going back to that. You know, 50 years ago, the single-use coffee cup was not a thing, mm. right? You'd have your drink at home or you'd bring a mug with you, maybe not a reusable mug at the same scale, but now we're always on the go. We're doing so much. It's a convenience thing. And if you talk to 
you know, the older generation, this plastic problem, this single use problem wasn't a thing. We are actually having to go back to what it was like before all of these really easy, convenient commodities came to be. Mm. You know, takeout, for example, that was not something that my grandparents would have done. You know, that was not a thing you ate at home, right? But because we live these lifestyles that are ch changing, we have changed as a society, mm. all of these things change along with it. Um, so in getting people to change, you're fundamentally compromising the way in which social culture and society has become set up. Mm. You know, environmentalists and people who are actively trying to do all these things are going against the grain. Mm. Um, and it is, at first, it is harder because you are changing your lifestyle. Mm. It's Once you get into it, it's actually quite easy. Um, a lot of people also um, talk about the costs associated with changing. You know, oh, renewable energy, green energy is more expensive. Yes, upfront, those types of technologies will be. Mm. You have to invest in it. But there is the money that you spend now is, first of all, going to significantly outweigh the cost of remediation and what's to come. It's going to cost more down the road to change our energy sources than it would be to change now. Mm. Um, but politicians operate on short time scales. We're not looking at 10, 15 years. We're looking at, you know, how do I get reelected re for the next election? <laughs> but I think at the individual level, when do you opt for... Um, a zero waste lifestyle, you're actually saving a lot of money. Mm. For example, um, food. If you are really apt to have not a lot of food waste and not do takeout and you're cooking at home more, you're gonna be saving money. It's less expensive and there's also less waste. Mm. Um, I think another really great example is um, menstrual products, for example. Women have to buy all these things, but if you have a reusable, whatever, uh, if that's a menstrual cup or a pair of, you know, um, Thinks underwear, you're going to spend more money up front, but you won't need to be constantly spending $20 every month on these single-use products mm. that we're told that we need <laughs> and that we're, we're led to believe that this is what we need and this is what we should be doing. But, mm. like, what if we had this all wrong, which I do think that we have. Mm. Um, so... You know, you're talking about the single-use products. I think what most uh, big corporations have working for them is their marketing, mm -hmm. right? I, I was actually talking about this with a friend earlier. And <clears throat> marketing is effectively changing a person's mind and telling them this thing is perfect for you, even if it's not, whether it is or not, it doesn't matter if it's correct or not. And I think this corporation over the years have gone really good at doing that. And uh, people on the other end of the spectrum where uh, we know things are going down the tubes, but we have possible solutions, right? I think the way the message is being delivered or how it's actually even created causes a disconnect or once they bring out that message, have you seen any new like uh, ad from like uh, say mobile or any old company? Have you seen it? It's genius. They're not saying we make oil and stuff. They're saying we're taking care of the planet. Mm -hmm. So, so they know that, you know, people realize, Oh, you know, uh, fossil fuels are bad, but <clears throat> to now advertise their new advertisement, it's like, Oh, look at these people in the lab. They're looking for better ways to take care of the planet. They are, you know, and then they show a nice green lush place. And then, like, you know, we are working on re renewable energy. But on the other hand, they are doing what they are still doing. Yeah. You know what that's called? <laughs> Greenwashing, right? This, this wave of marketing to appeal to showing that you're doing something good, but it's not actually true. I was in a Bell Alliance store the other day. Mm. And, you know, they have, like, pictures behind the cash. And it was this woman drinking, first of all, which is so... this irks me so much drinking from a plastic cup with a metal straw like a single-use plastic cup with a metal straw um which i think is hilarious because people are like oh i don't use a plastic straw anymore but i'm like there's this is still a single-use product mm. and so um this also highlights a very interesting point there are a lot of single-use compostable biodegradable plastic alternatives or single-use alternatives that are actually still trash because there is no regulation on what you put on your product so you could have you know a plastic cup that says compostable mm. and maybe it's made from some plant 
derivative. Um, but at the end of the day, you cannot put that in a com in the composter. Um, I was at the HRM um, compost facility out in Burnside yesterday, and those plastic biodegradable forks, spoons, and all of that, people put them in the compost because they say that they're compostable, but they're not. Like, if you think about it, it the facility takes 90 days to turn over the natural organics, as well as paper and other products, into mm -hmm. soil that gets used for landscaping, um, you know, flowers and grass and whatever. Um, you cannot put plastic in that. It doesn't matter if it's biodegradable. You need to like melt it down into mm. something. And at the end of the day, like you're melting it down into a into a liquid. Like what is that good for? That's not, that's, you know, it's, it's, I think we're fooling ourselves in shifting from one single use product to another. Mm. Single use is a problem. It doesn't matter what it is. Even mm. if it's a bamboo compostable alternative, that's still taking resources, that's taking energy, that's taking water. We need to be shifting away from single use everything. Mm. It doesn't matter if it's recyclable or if it's compostable mm. because there's also flaws with recycling. We fundamentally need to change our habits to go towards reusing things and repairing things point blank wow <laughs> so um, i how do we start um well first i think the no reusable cup no coffee that i think is a great place to start for a lot of people but what does that mean for starbucks and tim hortons that means just bring your own mug bring your own mug it's as simple as that i'm sure you have one lying around your house that you just need to make the effort and eventually if you always try to do that when you leave your house eventually it'll become second nature and you won't even have to think about it wait you can't use that in the drive drive through though right if you tell them when you're going through that you know you have your own cup they might fill it up although the problem there is that a lot of the times they'll put it in a single-use cup before is it really that bad if you have to get out of your car to walk in? Like, I'm sure we, I'm sure you're not hitting your step goal every day. Like, you can get out of the car, right? Like, it doesn't matter how cold it is. It's like three steps. Um, and that also plays into it, right? Like, we are compromising our health in so many ways. Like, just get out of your goddamn car to go fill up your coffee. Like, is it really that hard? Yeah. Um, also, water bottles. Like, we're... This isn't the same in every part of the world, but here in North America... For the most part, there are some First Nations communities that don't have access to potable water. Mm. You can drink the tap water. Yeah. There is nothing wrong with tap water. We are so blessed and so lucky to be living in a place where you can walk anywhere and turn the water on and drink it. Mm. Not to mention that like you're drinking out of a plastic water bottle that like you don't know what chemicals are in that. Granted, there's chemicals in everything. Water bottles are largely unnecessary. That's not the same everywhere. That is true where we are here those are like the most basic things that you can do i think it comes down to refusing single-use items so whenever i'm somewhere um, i say no straw please i don't think i need a straw and i bought a bunch of stuff here i carry in all of my bags and this is a t-shirt right yeah this is a t-shirt that i learned how to turn into a bag and it's super easy cut off the sleeves and then you can cut the top part but i um, left the top part on because I thought it was kind of cute. Yeah, it uh, is. And then you just cut the bottom into strips. I have a tutorial on stop trashing it, just a series of photos. Mm. And then you tie them together. And so I tied it inside out so that way this, the knots are on the inside. Okay. Um, but yeah, refusing single-use items, plastics, and uh, other stuff. So when I go to the grocery store, rather than using those um, produce bags, uh, I use these. So I'll put like my apples in here and my lettuce. Um, instead of using Ziploc bags, I have little reusable bags. You can also use Tupperware containers. Um, but with the straw, I keep, you can get a few alternatives. Um, metal and bamboo. Mm. Take them with you. Put it in your bag. Keep it in your car. Also, half the time you don't really even need straws unless you have like an accessibility issue. Um, but I keep one of these. It's a multi-tool. It's a spoon, fork, and knife. And I just keep it in my bag. So if I'm out doing takeout, I just say no utensils. Um, I don't really do takeout much anymore because of the waste associated with it. But for the most part, there are very easy things to swap out. Mm. This is like the most basic that you could do. Bags, utensils, straws, cups. Mm. From there, you can then start. Once you... 
Um, trying to do all of these things at once is incredibly overwhelming, which is the idea behind Stop Trashing It. Focus on one thing, master that, get that behavior change down pat, and then go on to something else. Mm. So most of this stuff for me has now become a habit. I always take my bags with me when I'm at the grocery store. When I know I'm going shopping somewhere, I'll have a reusable bag in my jacket yeah. or in my bag. Um, I always have that utensil on me. Um, but now for me, it's food. Food and personal hygiene and cleaning products. You can make a lot of this stuff yourself or you can refill a lot of this stuff. For example, soap and shampoo, you could refill your bottles at the tear shop. You can also get shampoo bars. Um, same thing. You can also get deodorant bars or you don't need that plastic. Also, this stuff, maybe it does cost a little bit more up front, which that's actually not true. The shampoo and soap is usually cheaper. The deodorant bars could be a little bit more expensive, but it's also going to last you so much longer. Mm. There's also really easy ways to make your own personal hygiene products. Um, so the next thing I want to try is making my own toothpaste and playing around with wait, that. Wait, wait, pause. Making yours? Making my own toothpaste. Oh, wow. Yeah. Isn't that going to be a huge undertaking? No, it's like you, I'm pretty sure you can like mix like baking soda and a few other products together. A lot of people use coconut oil and some other products. I, I heard there's a different type of clay that you can buy. Um, so it takes a ma- it's a matter of doing a little bit of research. Mm. And figuring out what will work and what won't work, it's going to be a lot of trial and error. Mm. Um, but I think we do need to put a little bit of effort into it. Mm. And again, you're going to end up saving money in the long run. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also, uh, food is always challenging because the grocery store is my literal nightmare because everything is in plastic. Um, mm. And not all plastics recyclable. We're also playing ourselves into thinking that recycling is the answer. Recycling is not the answer. Out of all the things you can do, recycling is like right above sending something to the landfill. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, There has to be a market for the recyclable products. So in Halifax, we're told that anything that's plastic put into the blue bag, that's not true. Unless it is a container, like a yogurt container, a milk container, um, clamshell packaging, like what your berries might come in, or stretchy film plastic, the chance of it getting recycled is pretty low. Most people don't know that the recycling facility has 25 employees that handpick your recyclables off a line. It's not an automated process. Mm. You have to wash your recyclables. If it's contaminated, they won't take it. Um, Contaminated in what way? Like if you had a yogurt container and you Mm. didn't wash it out before you put it in the the thing. A lot of people are like, oh, they wash it at the facility. Mm, No, they don't. Um, You need to wash it beforehand. Oh. Your plastic bags... All that stretchy film plastic. So that means the plastic that if you pulled and it stretches, Mm. that's recyclable. um, But not... But like the Sobeys bag? Those are recyclable. And you want to tuck all of those plastic bags into one bag. Mm. Because, right, if someone has to go pick something off off a line, they're more likely to pick up something that's bundled together already. Mm. Um, So I, I, I also don't think recycling is the answer because a lot of stuff doesn't actually get recycled. And even if it does, there has to be a market for it. Where is it getting sent? That takes energy if it's going overseas, which largely doesn't happen anymore. Um, Nova Scotia actually has a very good recycling system. We're quite lucky. Uh, But it also takes, you know, to turn a plastic product, recycle it into something else, takes energy and takes water. Mm. Right. So if we can just avoid that waste, we're already lowering our environmental footprint significantly. Mm. Um, So I started doing, um, for example, like... Any products that I would get in packaging, is there a way that I could get it without packaging? Can I fill up a jar somewhere? You can take jars to Bulk Barn, jars, Tupperwares, anything. You can take that to Bulk Barn. They can weigh it for you and you could fill it up. Also, the tear shop on Cornwallis Street, um, another really great spot. They have fantastic products. Um, they Also, it's a coffee shop, a community space. Again, that, that shop is all zero waste. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I remember going to that store and seeing they have this sign on the back that says how many cups they've saved since. Mm-hmm. It's like thousands upon yeah. thousands. And so that shop doesn't even offer it. And so uh, Kate Pepler, the owner of the shop, she is also a College of Sustainability graduate. Mm. Um, such an inspiration. But she told the story where someone came in and wanted a coffee to go. And she was like, well, we don't have cups. Just take this mug. And this person was like, this mug, I'm not going to walk down the street with that, with, this, with a mug. That's like, that's crazy. Um, and then, you know, she was like, well, this is what we do here. And they stopped on their tracks and said, well, 
I guess I have time to sit down and drink this for five minutes, mm. right? Most of the time we're so go, 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 go that we don't actually take a second to like just like chill mm. for a little bit. I'm guilty of it too. But making those little changes and slowing things down, taking the time to, to use your refillables will make a huge difference. Mm. I, I'm going to sidetrack but i'll come back to this uh because we've not talked about the cool thing on your instagram you're showing pretty much the bottom of the ocean what what's what are you working on now what's that project oh about? that project yeah. um <laughs> that project mm. um so i'm working mm. with dahouse university and nova scotia community college um nscc in the ocean uh mapping lab they have hours and hours and hours of video footage from the bay of fundy sea floor as well as um, other areas in the Maritimes, I'm just looking at the Bay of Fundy. Um, and I'm going through all this underwater video footage to categorize the type of marine litter that I'm finding on the seafloor. Mm. Um, it sounds more exciting than it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's basically very dark, fast-moving sand. Sometimes the camera flips upside down and, like, you don't know what you're staring at. Um, I've seen a lot of really cool things underwater. Mm. Um, but it's also really disheartening when you see, like, full bags of trash. Um, like intact on the seafloor. Mm. Um, not to point blame, but a lot of what I was seeing is primarily related to the fishing industry. I mean, although it's household waste, the only way a full bag of trash can get out there is if you have a boat. He's dumping. Um, but that's not true everywhere. Uh, I feel like in Canada, so a lot of people always ask. Well, I don't, it's not like we dump garbage into the ocean. Why is it showing up there? Mm. Um, I think we fail to realize that everything is interconnected. Um, so I'm going to challenge you. Next time you're walking out on Gottagen Street, just look at the trash in the streets and then try to find a sewer. And you'll notice that a lot of the sewers have trash in them. And all of that, where is it going? The ocean. Stormwater drains to the ocean. Um, so when something ends up on the street, even if you put it in a garbage bag, garbage bags, recycling bags, those break open by accident. Um, you know, when people get those rejection stickers, like a lot of the times they're not going to go pick up their bag right away. It sits there, breaks open. Stuff is sneaky. It finds its way in. Mm. Um, so no, we're not, at least not in Canada, we're not dumping garbage right into the ocean, mm. or at least not at a large scale level, unless you're like illegally dumping stuff, but it. It gets there and there only is one way to guarantee that it doesn't and that's to change our habits and to not even have those single-use items in our possession mm. wow what are some of the cool things you've seen while you're looking on the water um i feel like the most cool things i've seen have not been while watching the underwater video footage it's been through my experience scuba diving and my experience working on commercial fishing boats yeah, yeah, yeah. um I've seen lots of sharks. Oh, sharks man. are so cool. I've seen lots of sharks and I've gone diving with sharks before, intentionally and unintentionally. <laughs> okay, tell me about the unintentional one. Um, this happened in February. I was in Freeport in the Bahamas. Mm. Um, my dad and I went on a scuba diving trip. My dad and I, um, I started scuba diving when I was 10, um, all thanks to him. He's been scuba diving for well over 25 years. We're, we're buds. He's great. Um, and so we were diving and... Sharks use, they can sense uh, electromagnetic fields in the water. Mm. And this whole dive, I, of course, this dive, I jumped in the water and my GoPro froze. Um, Murphy's Law. Anyways, <laughs> this whole dive, I had a very weird feeling. Yeah. I felt like the hairs on the back of my neck standing up. And I kept on looking out into the distance. I always do that when I dive because I'm always like, maybe there's a whale. Maybe there's a shark. Who knows? Um, and sometimes uh, your eyes play tricks on you down there because mm. you want to see something. Um, but that dive in particular, I remember um, the dive master and I, we removed a piece of fishing line that was caught up on some of the coral. We spent like five minutes untangling it. It was this huge piece of line. And then all of a sudden, as we were done, I look up and I see a shark. And it wasn't just one. There was five. What? Yeah. And so because they can – well – First of all, I should disclaim that I didn't know this, but there were other divers that were spearfishing a little bit farther away, a little bit deeper down. And so they were they could smell the blood. They they can sense when there's, um, you know, a wounded animal in the water. Mm. Right. Sharks feed on the weak 
and the sick. And that's why sharks are so important to healthy ecosystems because they're killing off the most non-fit of any population. Mm. Um, so it actually then has, it, sharks lead to healthier fish stocks because they're eating off the ones that are sick and dying. Um, but anyways, so they were all really worked up because they were hungry, they smelled blood, whatever. Um, and they were circling us. And I was, I don't really get nervous. Um, and I knew that they wouldn't like, I wasn't worried about it, but um, because they can sense, you know, electronics in the water because they use electromagnetic sensing. Um, <laughs> they were coming right up to me because I had my camera, GoPro. Yeah. And it, I'm so iced to this like day. I'm like, gosh, I wish it was working. But if it would have been on, it came like one of them literally came right up to me. Like I was, we were like this close to each other, um, which was super cool. God, don't nobody <laughs> be cool. Oh my God. Uh, I think I pissed myself. Yeah. And then the next dive, um, they, they were circling us and I didn't, I didn't feel super comfortable about that. But the next dive, there were, um, just as many sharks there, but they were kind of like doing their own thing and they weren't circling us. So I felt much more at ease. Huh. So what what do you do? You like when when if you are diving and there's a shark, you just chill and yeah. So um, if you seem aggressive, then they might approach you. What what do you seem aggressive? Because I don't. I was even... panicking. That well, I don't. I, don't I wasn't panicking. Like... So when the shark did approach me, yeah. so if you like. A lot of the time, like, right, we have hands. We, If we're curious about something, I can touch it mm. and see what it is. Sharks mm. don't have hands. So what are they going to do? Sometimes, a lot of the times, shark attacks happen out of accident because they're like, what is this? Is it a is it a seal? Is it a human? I don't know. I'm going to taste it and see what happens. And we don't taste good, right? So, like, they, they'll likely spit you out. So, but also, if you can, if you can, so, for example, when this shark came up to me, I was a little nervous. Mm. I had my GoPro, and I just kind of, whoop, I just kind of, like, went like this and like pushed the shark away and that was it and it just kind of left me alone but you have to you have to know that right like if you push them by the nose right under their nose they'll go away but you have to know that like you need to show that you're the boss rather than <laughs> right rather than uh you know trying to see if you're a seal or not um, but i have um oh, so that was in february yeah. um i have been in the water with over 200 whale sharks before <laughs> whale sharks are the biggest fish in the ocean they don't have teeth they're filter feeders um and that was super cool they're huge they're bigger than a school bus what mm -hmm. <laughs> Man. yeah and they just kind of like skim the surface of the water because they they're filter feeders they don't they eat small stuff that you can't see with your naked eye oh, okay. um so that was super cool um and i've also dove with um over 40 reef sharks before and that was intentional that was also in the bahamas that was in nassau that was when i was 16 so wait how do, I mean, oh, silly question. Obviously, you're reading, you're studying maritime blast, so you know all the different sharks and stuff, or you actually took time to study the different types of sharks? Um, some of it through my marine biology degree, mm. um, a lot of it through practice. So when I was working on commercial fishing boats, I was working, um, I was living in Yarmouth, but working 12 hours offshore mm. um, on George's Bank, and I'd be out there for three to seven days at a time, mm. living on board commercial haddock boats with three other fishers. Mm. Um, and my job was to observe, record, and report. I would just watch what they do and take notes. Mm. Um, mad respect for fishers. What they do is not easy. They're on the water 300 days of the year, away from their family. Um, really hard, laborious work. Mm. Um, and so because they're big nets that go down to the bottom and they're scooping up fish, sometimes they scoop up sharks. And so I was able to see uh, quite a few. They all get released, um, mostly unharmed. It's hard to know what really happens mm. when you put them back. Um, I feel like that would be very stressful. Like imagine someone just comes and like scoops you up, yanks you out of your home, like throws you underwater versus like them on land. Um, and then you get thrown back. Uh, probably not super enjoyable. Um, but I got to see a poor, I've seen a few poor beagle sharks. Poor beagle sharks are related to great whites. Oh, wow. So that was super cool. Uh, I've seen short fin mako sharks, which are now said to be endangered. Um, science was wrong. Um, we thought that they were doing fine. Turns out they're not. Um, a lot of shark stocks are in trouble because they are a product of overfishing. Um, 
Wait, there's people a, eat sharks and stuff. People do eat sharks. People um, eat shark meat. Um, oh. And uh, shark finning is also a pretty serious practice. So shark finning refers to when a shark is caught, their fins are removed, and the body is thrown back to sea, and the body never comes to land. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What do they use the fins for? Shark fin soup. Oh. It's a very big Asian delicacy. Mm. And Canada is one of the top importers of shark products. Importers. Yeah. So we... Canada... (laughs) This is kind of funny. So Canada has all these bills and regulations, and we're trying to do well in protecting, you know, 30% of our oceans by 2030. But yet... Canada is a significant importer of shark fin products. What are they using for? Like, I mean, just for the soup thing? Yep. Um, different delicacies, huh. symbolic markets. Um, yeah. It's very, wow. uh, yeah. That is interesting. I didn't, well, obviously, I yeah. never knew that. There's a really interesting, there's two really interesting documentaries out, which I'll recommend everyone watch. Uh, shark Water and Shark Water Extinction. Mm. Um, Isn't that what the one the guy died making? Yeah. Rob Stewart. Rob Stewart's one of um, my biggest heroes. I was really shook when he passed. Mm. Um, he's Canadian. He's from Toronto. Mm. Also super cool. Mm. Um, the way, it was a scuba diving accident. A lot of things went wrong for him to get there. Yeah. Um, so he was actually, yeah, he was trying to film some footage for shark water extinction. Um, I watched, I watched the... I have goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, that's why I kind of just jumped in. I watched this uh, <laughs> documentary where the his parents, you know, they had to finish the film pretty much because, mm-hmm. you know, when they found out he wasn't coming back, um, his parents had to finish his film. So I think it was a... What's that show on, like, something, five questions, why? Oh. Anyway, it's on TV. So the talk to the parents, and I can't even imagine it, right? You know, they had all this footage he made, and he kind of drew a map of the film, like he had a script, and then they had to take all this footage and put it together, and then they were watching their son pretty much every day for mm. four months to finish this film. Oof. I can't even imagine it. Yep. Um, I really think that everyone needs to watch both of those documentaries. We as humans have very irrational fears of sharks. Mm. Sharks are not out to get us. Let's be clear. The biggest predator and the biggest threat to humans is ourselves. Mm. We are leading our own demise. Sharks are not the problem. We are the problem. Mm. The amount of sharks atta- shark attacks that happen every year is so insignificant. Like you're more likely to get killed by like a toilet or like air freshener than you are a shark. Mm. Like there are so many more random accidents and like I blame Jaws. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I blame Jaws and like this this like fear that media has created around sharks mm. and everyone i feel like i feel like people are really drawn to negative things and it's really easy to kind of like oh yeah sharks are awful like yes sharks are predators they've been around for hundreds of years they've lived through several mass extinctions sharks are badass creatures right um it would be a really big shame if one of the oldest creatures on the planet goes extinct because of us mm. The UN released a report just last week that I think it's about over 1 million species are going extinct because of us. Mm. If there is no other species on the planet besides us, we will die. We need bugs to pollinate food. We need bugs to aerate soil. We, We need all of these things, these bigger animals, these smaller animals. We live in a very fragile ecosystem. The earth was created in balance and we are throwing it off balance very, very quickly mm. in the grand scheme of things. Um, we are really good at seeing ourselves as separate from nature. We see ourselves as humans, but we are animals. We are all part of the same system. Mm. But we're so hung up in our day-to-day lives and in our egos that we don't actually, we're not actually able to see outside of this bubble. Um, and that's a problem sad too it's super sad most of the time we are surrounded by four walls and we don't go outside i worry about you know the generations to come that you know play video games all the time that don't go play outside that have no connection with nature 
we need those experiences in nature to be able to love and to care for it like it cares for us. Mm. Um, you know, we drive around all the time. When I noticed that I just bought a bike, which I'm so, I love biking. It's awesome. But when you're biking, you don't have music in. You can hear nature happening around you. You can hear what it's like to be on the road. When in your car, you're in a, an isolated bubble. You have music going. You don't hear the outside world, right? You're so disconnected. We are so fundamentally disconnected from our environment. Mm. It's scary. Hmm. I'm going to take a pause. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take a pause. Okay, so um, we stopped rushing it. What... What is the next uh what's the next step for stop trashing it? Ooh, good question. Uh, I don't really know. Um it's sort of there was never really a plan to begin with. It sort of just spiraled. Mm. Um but I do know that we have an event next weekend at the Discovery Center um where we're going to be talking a lot about what goes where in terms of sorting. Mm. Um so we're doing a lot of outreach in the next few months, some events over the summer. Um I feel like where we have the most room for growth is now um, not just delivering social media content, but engaging with people face to face in actually giving people the tools and the knowledge firsthand on on what uh, on on what to do and how to actually turn this awareness mm. and this information into action. And I want it to be very solutions focused and very positive. Mm. This can get very heavy. That conversation just got very heavy, mm-hmm. and that's okay. But I don't think that that narrative is conducive <clears throat> or. Um, for people yeah yeah so lots of outreach happening um and that's yeah just looking at summer just trying to get past uh past may um doing the uh, master composter recycler course offered through the hrm so translating that into content for stop trashing and delivering what i'm learning to everyone else and sharing that i'm that's cool yeah i'm still learning a lot there's a lot that i don't know like this I am not coming from a place of like, I'm the greatest. I know everything. I know I know that I know nothing, right? Yeah, that's, always a, that's a good um, place to actually be at. Yeah, I'm here on this journey and I'm sharing that with everyone and I want people to join me on this journey. Mm. Um, so if you want to join, check out Stop Trashing It on Instagram and on Facebook. We also have a website. So what? So is that, uh, what's it at? At Stop Trashing It. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's super easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, our, so we have, you know, two hashtags, Stop Trashing It and Don't Be a Trash Hole. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, just don't do it. Just don't be a trash hole. Uh, don't litter. You know, reconsider what you're using on a day-to-day. There's alternatives. We just need to work together. Mm. And we need to have these conversations. And uh, I remember a couple of days ago, you you had pictures up of uh, people picking up trash on the highways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was with my work through Coastal Action Foundation. They're um, an NGO located on the South Shore, um, and they're focused on protecting the environment for future generations to come through conservation, education, and research. Um, So they're really on the ground running, and so they uh, are part of the Adopt-A-Highway program. Mm. So they um, have a stretch of highway in Mahone Bay that they have adopted, and, you know, twice a year they go out and do a highway cleanup. And... I mean, we're literally just walking through the ditches, picking up trash. And that trash is literally just thrown out the window. And some people that what gets thrown out the window is really perplexing. I picked up a coffee cup like someone put someone went the extra step of like putting all of their cigarette butts into the coffee cup Mm. and then threw the coffee cup filled of cigarette butts out the window. Mm. And it was like a fresh cup. Like you could tell like how degraded they are. Um, But yeah, so we were just picking up trash on the highway. And I do think that like coastal cleanups and, you know, you don't need to be by a coast or by a waterway to do a cleanup. I challenge everyone, you know, whenever you're out, if you see garbage, just pick it up. If there's a trash can down the way, pick it up. Um, But that isn't actually changing our habits and changing our behaviors. Um, It's more than just picking up trash. Mm. We need to change our habits. Point blank. Wow. Okay. I'm going to end it with this, though. So... Yeah, stop trashing. It's using social, the power of social media to get people to do stuff and yeah. to actually change our habits. Positive peer pressure. <laughs> Positive peer pressure. Yeah, yeah, it works. And I like the trash roll one. Uh, but that's it for stop trashing. And you personally, what what are the things you're working on moving forward? Hmm, good one. Um, so I'm trying to not purchase any cleaning products and personal hygiene products. I'm trying to make everything myself. 
I mean, what I can't make myself, I'm going to refill my shampoo and conditioner bottles at the tear shop. Um, and the next thing for me is my food. Um, I definitely want to stop buying packaged products. So I'm bringing my jars to the tear shop and to bulk barn to refill and also my produce because a lot of produce does come in plastic so I signed up for a CSA box through Old Furrow Farms. Taproot Farms also has it as well so you sign up. Um, it's offered through the summer, fall, winter depending on what you sign up for and you get a box of produce from a local farm. Mm. You pick it up. Not always fully package free but it's a little bit more package free. Mm. Always bringing my bags with me when I go to the grocery store. Um, it's really overwhelming to try to eliminate everything all at once. So I'm starting small, trying to get better at making these changes. Mm. Um, what I like to do is a waste audit. So every few weeks, I'll look in my trash bins and look for what are the most prevalent items that are showing up. Um, and then so if I see, for example, a few months ago, this was actually at the end of last year in 2018, I noticed that tampon applicators were a huge problem. And every time I'm doing a coastal cleanup, there are so many of them um so that was really easy i bought a menstrual cup and that was it and i don't use that anymore now the next thing i notice is like when my dental floss is up i'm gonna buy compostable dental floss which you can get at the tear shop on cornwallis street um so it's like just looking in your trash and seeing like hmm what's showing up quite frequently what can i get rid of mm. um you know beans for example you can buy dried beans in bulk and make them yourself. You don't need the tin cans, right? It is recyclable, yes, blah, 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 but we can always do a little bit better. It does take a little bit more planning. Mm. At first, it will take more time and effort, but eventually it just becomes habit, and then it just becomes part of your life. Mm. Wow, okay, a lot of take in. Thank you very much for finally coming on. And <clears throat> so you say next week you have a thing for Stop Crashing. Yeah, at the Discovery Center from... I believe it's 10 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. We're going to be tabling at the Discovery Center, um, talking to people about trash. Um, naturally, we're going to talk about what goes where. I have an activity planned where uh, we're going to test people's knowledge on, you know, is it does it go in the recycling bin? Does it go in the garbage or does it go in the compost? Yeah, uh, I'm going to fail that one. I'm just telling you right now. Uh, I have a thing on my fridge that sees it and I have to look at it every time. There's a lot that's not on those cards. Um, oh, okay. Uh, which is the the hard part because it it's uh, sorting waste is very complicated. Mm. The best way to do it is to avoid it. <laughs> avoid it by reducing your consumption of single use products. Awesome. Okay. Thank you very much for coming. <laughs> in Thanks for having me. This is the Blackout Podcast. listening.